0: The text for our sermon for Palm Sunday is the gospel reading that was just read and Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and also keeping this in mind, our reading from Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we learn the beauty and the joy that it is to live by faith, that even as the people saw Jesus coming into Jerusalem, some of them believed it. Yes, this is the Son of God, but yet there were some there who doubted. There were some who weren't quite sure, and then there were some who were certain that Jesus was not the right king. Today we pray that by the Holy Spirit, we would see not only Jesus truly as the Son of God, in spite of what our eyes might tell us, but we also would be strengthened to live our lives. That even though our lives might not look how we hoped or would like, we continue to endure in the faith, trusting in Jesus. It was baffling that day when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Crowds waving palm branches, crying out the scriptures, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. Jesus came on a colt, the full of a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah. It was all so obvious to anyone paying attention. Jesus was the Messiah. The baffling part was... Jesus's very own people, the religious Jews who who were in power, they did not like it. They wanted a political king. But it wasn't just those who had power that struggled with this. There were also most likely people there, just normal people like you and I, who struggled with believing that this humble Man who doesn't look special, who has nothing about him that would cause us to desire him. That he is the son of God. Like the the Jews that day, and I think we all have a little bit of this in us, they wanted earthly glory. They didn't want to have to live by faith. Our sinful flesh struggles and fights against that. But we also are taught that that was the reason that that there were some people who first believed in Jesus but then turned away. They wanted the glory of man more than the glory of God. They didn't want to suffer in front of their friends. They didn't want to suffer for the truth that was only obtainable by faith. But who could blame them? Contrary to what many people assumed, the glory of God is not exactly a nice vacation. The glory of God is right here. The glory of God is Jesus being crucified. You heard Jesus say that today. Father, glorify your name. The glory of God is picking up your cross for the benefit of others. The glory of God means salvation, not by works or pride, but salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. Not faith in the things that we can see with our eyes or comprehend with our ears. The glory of God means salvation by faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, which means that on this side of the grave, as we battle our sinful flesh, we will never have perfect faith. There will always be an element to our faith, there will always be an element to Jesus Christ that many times doesn't make sense to us. What do I mean? I know it sounds a little disheartening, but on this side of the grave, we must confess that we will always have doubts. Consider the the crowds that day who met Jesus in Jerusalem, who we've been talking about. They met Jesus, they were excited, they were glad, they were waving palm branches, they heard that Jesus had raised Lazarus for the dead, and they were following that. Many of them certainly understood what it meant to be saying that Jesus was the Messiah. But since we know how crowds are, and we know even our own sinful flesh, we also have to admit that there were people there that day in the crowd who probably weren't so sure. But they went along with the crowd anyway. In particular, it was pointed out, there were some who believed, but then for fear of the Pharisees, for fear of the Jews, they did not follow him because they loved the glory of man more than the glory of God. This should bring to your mind the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower where Jesus says the the seed was cast out on, on soil, but weeds choked out the seeds and the faith. The cares of this life, riches, desire for power. Even after faith had been planted, the weeds choked it out because we love the glory of man more than the glory of God. Not everyone in the crowd surely knew what was going on that day. Some perhaps reluctantly waved their palm branches. <coughs> Some were probably fully on board. Some who were fully on board at the beginning probably began to doubt. We're told even the disciples, as they're watching all this going on, they didn't know what Jesus was doing. But we are then told later after he was raised when he was, or when he was crucified, John says when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered and realized what had happened. And that's how we are. We ourselves are both sides of this crowd. Sometimes we're sure of God's love. We're ready to know and to confess what the glory of God looks like. There are days when picking up our crosses, forsaking ourselves, And doing what is true and right according to God's will is very clear to us. We know what we need to do each day. But then there are other times we're not so sure. Other times where in life we doubt what God is doing. Other times we're also like the Jews. Some days we just say, nope, not today, God. I'm going to do things my way. I don't want to live by faith. I'm going to sin. I'm going to doubt. I'm going to put that palm branch down and maybe, maybe not wave it because what is the saying? The nail that sticks up is the one that gets hammered down. Because you see, human nature, it doesn't change that much. It's much easier to sin and doubt than it is to bear our cross. It's much easier to doubt and hold back than it is to cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Our sinful nature does not like to live by faith. We want proof. And when we demand proof, it's always our definition of proof, isn't it? It's it's rarely, if ever, God's proof. God, you prove it to me. And many times when we sin, when we fall into temptation, it's because we want to trust ourselves. Because we think we are more reliable than God. That's what the unbelieving Jews wanted that day. They did not want to live by faith in the promises that Jesus was the son of God, that he was the way to salvation. To them, it made no sense because they looked at Jesus with their physical eyes. They listened to Jesus with their sinful ears instead of trusting God's word that this was the Son of God. They did not want to repent of their pride and their unbelief to save themselves. They did not want to confess they could not save themselves. Nor did they want to give up the things that we think are so sure in this life the approval of our friends. The approval of those in high places, the media. Riches and comfortable lifestyles. Those, we think, are pretty certain. But how quickly do those things rot? How easily are those things stolen from us? How does the opinion of the world change from day to day? Usually God's approval is the last thing we are concerned about, the glory of God is not what we want, our sinful flesh anyway. And so on that level, we can relate with both sides of the crowd, even the very people that God showed himself to and called his own, the Jews, Jesus' brothers and sisters, they did not want to live by faith but you don't follow that path. Don't be tempted to go that way. This is what Isaiah is speaking about when John says, when he quotes Isaiah in our reading today, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he's heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah is lamenting that God's people, the Jews, the ones who saw all the miracles in the Old Testament and even witnessed Jesus' miracles in the New Testament, they didn't believe that God saved by faith. They wanted to feed their pride. Isaiah continues, therefore, they could not believe. It wasn't because of God that they couldn't believe, but they refused The Lord had revealed His arm, which means He reveals the way in which He works. He revealed His salvation. Lord, who has believed what He's heard from us? Believed. You can't believe when you don't want to. When you think salvation is up to you, fulfilling the law, earning God's mercy and favor, or thinking that if you just get life figured out... All problems will make sense. No, when you go that route, you are removing the very elements that God is telling you to trust him in. They thought they could remove doubt by trusting themselves. The suffering and humiliation of Jesus' cross is a stumbling block to us still today. And it always will be. Confessing that, confessing that we have doubts, and that is true freedom. Freedom from thinking that you'll get everything figured out. There is nothing in this life that will not be plagued with doubts because we are not perfect. That comes in the resurrection. However, now our faith and trust is placed in someone who, who is perfect, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. Because you see, he doesn't doubt his picking up his cross for you. He doesn't think that that was a foolish endeavor. He doesn't doubt his work for you. He doesn't doubt his forgiveness for you. Jesus doesn't look back on his passion. Jesus doesn't look back on that week where he suffered and died and think, was it worth it? Jesus does not doubt that picking up his cross was worth it. He did it, and he says it was for us, and we say, Amen. Jesus is the one who keeps God's law perfectly on your behalf. Faith in his perfect obedience saves you and gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus is going to Jerusalem and picking up his cross and dying for us. So now you can know for certain that your sins are forgiven. Eternal life is yours. You do not have to compromise in this life. You do not have to sin. You can turn away from it. And we say the same thing that crowd said that day when we find ourselves bouncing between the certain ones with the palm branches high and the ones holding them down behind them, being worried about how it looks. We say, Hosanna, which means save us. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You might recognize that. Those who've designed our liturgy have done something amazing for us. In one of our divine services, we take this this sound, this this shout, this song of victory, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and we sing that at the Lord's Supper. We sing that recognizing Jesus' sacramental presence in the Lord's Supper. Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. The crowds that day asked God to save now and Jesus' reply was his sacrifice on the cross. Jesus was answering their prayer that Palm Sunday. We sing out in our liturgy, save us now. And God's response to us is to give us the true body and blood of Jesus to eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins. The crowd was certainly onto to something that day, even if they did not fully understand what they were saying until after his death and resurrection. So even here, we come here to echo their words, knowing that Jesus is truly present with us. The doubters of the crowd that day looked on Jesus coming and said, how can that be possible? Doesn't make any sense. How can he be the king? So too, when Jesus comes to us in the body and blood on the altar, if we look with our eyes, it doesn't make sense. If we listen with our ears, it defies physics and all explanations. Not just the miracle that it's Jesus' body and blood, but the greatest miracle of all. That God forgives sinners, makes them clean, completely clean. So often when I'm talking with people outside and they find out I'm a Lutheran pastor, they ask me about the teachings of Lutheranism and inevitably communion comes up, the Lord's Supper. Okay, so I intentionally bring it up because I think communion is the best. It's a greatest gift. And I love challenging people to trust, to live by faith. But when communion comes up, the conversation always goes like this. How can you believe that it's really the body and blood of Jesus? That's ridiculous. Jesus was clearly speaking using analogies. He was clearly being symbolic. Well, in response to that, I say, well, what does Jesus desire to grow in us? And the answer, of course, is faith. And I say, Jesus' words are plain. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul, they all say the same thing. Jesus' words, they are hard, but they are plain when he says, this is my body, this is my blood. When people try to explain this away by saying it's symbolic, I answer them, I say, well, You don't need faith to understand an analogy. You don't need faith to understand the sacrament as symbolic. Faith is not needed when all the elements that require faith are explained away. Don't you think Jesus would want to grow you in your faith by asking you to believe something that requires faith, not knowledge about analogies? That one gets some pretty good, huh, some pretty good heads to the side. Huh, never thought about that. So Jesus goes to Jerusalem and then to his cross. Not because everyone understood what was happening that day, but because Jesus is determined to do what everyone needs to provide a faithful Savior to trust in. Jesus completes his Father's will, whether we understand it and whether we like it or not. Jesus will not be deterred. So also in your life, when you don't understand many times what God is doing, when God asks you to sacrifice for faithfulness, when he asks you to live by faith, do just that. Repent of your doubts. And trust. Jesus doesn't need the people's understanding and worship to go to the cross that week, and Jesus doesn't need our worship to be present with us in the sacrament today, but we need His presence. We need His forgiveness. We need His strength. Our worship and praise and even our faith will never be without doubt. And yeah, sometimes in worship we're distracted, sometimes it's half hearted. But Jesus still rides in our midst. He still comes among us to deliver us, to save us. He has promised to raise those who fall, to strengthen those who stand. He has promised to comfort and help the weak-hearted and distressed. Jesus is here to hear your prayers, to answer your concerns. Your hosannas do not fall on deaf ears. And may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.